Are you betting for or against God's existence? Think about it. You may not consider yourself a gambler, but how you live your life is the greatest gamble you will ever take. Either God does exist or he doesn't. And if he does exist, how far will you go to live according to his will? Will you go all in with God or will you draw a line in the sand and say, thus far and no further? These are questions that we would do well to consider as we are by the way that we live our lives betting on the answers to these important questions. Join me here at Tomorrow's World where we'll do some serious self-examination. Welcome to Tomorrow's World where we tackle the big questions of life. And today I'm asking how far will you go to obey God? All the way? Or are you drawing a line in the sand? Are you betting for or against God's existence? Your actions will tell more than what you profess. None of us has seen God face to face, yet billions profess to believe in some form of God. But how real is he to you? Are you so certain of his existence that you are willing to put it all on the line? Or to put it another way, if you're familiar with poker, are you all in? Now, lest anyone misunderstands, I'm not promoting the gambling industry, but the fact is that you are, by your choices, by your decisions, by your day-to-day -day actions, making a very real wager on the existence or non-existence of God. And when it comes to the God of the Bible, you must be all in. So says Jesus in Luke the 14th chapter and in verse 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate, meaning to love to a lesser degree by comparison, his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. You have no doubt seen the bumper sticker using the various religious symbols to spell out the word coexist. That's a wonderful platitude, but what does it mean? Is this taking God seriously or mere virtue signaling? Is it not saying all religions are equal, so let's just get along? We should get along, that's for certain. But is it true that exactly what we believe when it comes to God does not matter? Not according to the Judeo-Christian God. The very first of the Ten Commandments emphatically states, you shall have no other gods before me. And Jesus proclaimed, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. When the apostles Peter and John were hauled before the religious leaders of their day for teaching in the name of Jesus, Peter boldly told them that they were guilty of rejecting the Messiah and there was no other path to salvation. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. My guess is that most viewers of this program are at least nominal believers in Christ. But how solid is your belief and how far are you willing to take it? Consider the following. The Bible tells us that a man named Jesus walked the rugged hills of Israel about 2,000 years ago. He claimed he came from God and was returning to him. 
He was tortured and murdered on a stake, and hundreds of witnesses claimed they saw him after being resurrected to life once again. Further, Jesus proclaimed that he is coming back to rule over all the earth and give rulership to a group of individuals who in this life are called, chosen, and faithful. Now, let's be honest, that is a lot to accept. Even his closest followers who saw all his miracles and were mentored by him for three and a half years had difficulty accepting the resurrection. Thomas, one of his disciples, said in effect, show me the evidence. Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. This is in John 20, verse 25. And this clearly shows that Thomas was convinced of his death. There was no question of that being faked. Of course, once Jesus appeared to him, Thomas did believe. But there's a message in this for all of us when we read how the conversation continued in verse 29. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So what about you? Do you believe having not seen him? Just how far are you willing to go with your belief? Will you put him first above all else as we read earlier? Or will you draw a line and say, no further? Sadly, most professing Christians are drawing lines in the sand by reasoning around clear statements of Scripture to avoid going against human traditions. Our actions declare the depth of our conviction. It's easy to profess belief in God, but the choices we make often tell a very different story. The example of ancient Israel entering into a covenant with God can be instructive. Notice in Exodus, the 19th chapter, and verses 7 and 8. So Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before them all these words which the Lord commanded him. Then all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do. So Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. That was their profession. They would obey. But to what degree did they do so when confronted with difficult choices? Would they trust God or trust themselves? Every student of the Bible knows that ancient Israel failed miserably when it came to obeying God. But what was the root cause of their problem? The answer to that question is found in the book of Hebrews. And I'll give that to you in a moment. But as all of you who follow this program know, we offer a free resource each week here at Tomorrow's World. Now, I understand that in today's world, it's difficult to believe that something is given away absolutely free of charge with no strings attached. But here's one of many similar comments we receive at Tomorrow's World. This one comes from a subscriber in South Africa. Thank you for sharing these gospel messages with us. I really appreciate that it is supplied free of charge, or many of us may not have been able to get access to it. What you do for us is very important, and we all appreciate what you do. Thank you very much. Today's free offer is that real God proofs and promises. Either God is real or he is not. 
And if he is indeed real, there should be evidence of his existence, and there is. I sincerely hope that you will take us up on this offer for this booklet that can strengthen your belief and reveal promises that you can experience in this life and in the life to come. So pick up the phone or go to twtv.org real to order your free copy of The Real God, Proofs and Promises. And when I come back, I'll show you why the ancient Israelites failed the test and missed out on the promised land. For today's free offer, call 1-800-236-0531 or go to twtv.org real. This clear and straightforward resource will help you understand this vital truth straight from the pages of the Bible. If you're calling for the first time, you will also receive a free annual subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine, 10 inspiring issues discussing news, science, and modern culture will help you make sense of your world from a biblical perspective. Call today and join millions around the world who are turning to Tomorrow's World for truth, prophecy, and hope in these confusing times. Call now or go to twtv.org slash real. Welcome back. Before the break, I said I would show you why ancient Israel failed the test and so many missed out on the promised land. The answer to that question is in fact the subject of this Tomorrow's World telecast, and it's found in the book of Hebrews, the third chapter, and verses 17 to 19. Now with whom was he angry forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. How easy it is to profess belief, but to follow that belief with actions is something else. Even Jesus' disciples failed to grasp his statements that he would die and be resurrected after three days and three nights in the grave. This is surprising, given the fact that they knew that others had been resurrected. It was not as though a resurrection from the dead had never occurred before. Jesus' disciples knew the account of the man who came back to life when let down into the grave of Elisha. You can read of that in 2 Kings 13, verse 21 and they knew scriptures that prophesied a resurrection from the dead, such as Job 14, verses 14 and 15, Psalm 17, verse 15, and Daniel the 12th chapter and the first two verses. But reading about something that happened a long time ago, or hearing about something that will happen way off in the future, is not the same as experiencing something today and even experiencing something in one's lifetime quickly fades from one's memory. For example, Jesus' disciples knew a man who was resurrected from the dead just a short time prior to the crucifixion. Lazarus, the brother of Martha and Mary, had died, and Jesus came to the tomb where he was laid. We pick up the account in John the 11th chapter and verse 39. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, 
for he hath been dead four days. That's from the King James Version. Then we read in verses 43 and 44, Now when he said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth! And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Loose him and let him go. Now that must have been quite a sight. But did it really happen? The resurrection of Lazarus created quite a stir among the people in Judah, and even Jesus' detractors could not deny it. Notice what we read a little bit later in John the 12th chapter and verses 9 through 11. Now a great many of the Jews knew that he was there, and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might also see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests plotted to put Lazarus to death also, because on account of him many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. In spite of this, Jesus' own disciples had difficulty believing in Jesus' own resurrection. It might be due to a fundamental difference. They were there when Jesus called Lazarus forth out of the tomb. They saw many other miracles performed by Jesus, but when the miracle worker is killed, who to look to then? Jesus came to reveal the Father to them, but Jesus they saw. No one had ever seen the Father, as it tells us in John, the first chapter, and verse 18. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. Jesus performed many other miracles. He healed all kinds of diseases, cast out demons, turned water into wine, calmed a stormy sea, and walked on water. Many people were still alive and remembered these miracles when the gospel accounts were written. They knew these things happened, and even the contentious Pharisees had to admit these miracles of healing were real, as seen by this confession from Nicodemus, found in John the third chapter and verse two. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So the questions remain. Do you believe these miracles happened? Do you believe there is an all-powerful God who is working with mankind on this small planet, which orbits an average-sized star, one of tens of billions in our galaxy, and only one galaxy among the currently estimated one to two trillion galaxies that make up our universe. Truly, we ought to wonder as King David did when he looked up at the night sky and mused, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? That's from Psalm 8, verses three and four. Now that, dear friends, is a question of great magnitude. If God does exist, what is his plan for you and for me? We must know and know that we know that we are the result of an incredible mind, a great creator God. And if we do truly believe, that belief should shape our decisions. That's why we're offering to you an absolutely free copy of our booklet, The Real God, Proofs and Promises. In this resource, Dr. Douglas Winnale addresses these thought-provoking questions. 
Is there one true God or are there many gods? How real is God to you? Is the God you worship the same God revealed in the pages of the Bible? Dr. Winnale gives evidence that you can see that God is real and can be relied upon. You need this easy to understand resource. So write down the contact information and order your copy of The Real God, Proofs and Promises. And have you ever thought that if you saw a true miracle, a supernatural miracle, that you would never doubt? If so, stay with me because I'll be back in 15 seconds with the rest of that story. This clear and straightforward resource will help you understand this vital truth straight from the pages of the Bible. Call now or go to twtv.org real. Most of us think that we would believe if only we could see a miracle, but that's a fallacy that is not backed by the facts. The children of Israel saw miracle after miracle. They escaped through the Red Sea and they were fed supernaturally with manna. But the miracle of manna was far greater than most comprehend. For 40 years, it came six days every week, but never on the seventh day. Clearly, God was teaching them a lesson regarding one of his Ten Commandments. But have we learned that lesson? Miracles are like food and water. They survive in our minds for only a short period of time until the next challenge appears. Those who rely on miracles must have miracle after miracle to replenish their hunger. This is not to say that miracles are not important, and we read of many of them in the Bible. And perhaps you've even experienced one. And in fact, all of us have, as life itself is a miracle, if we will only open our eyes. As Paul tells us in Romans, the first chapter, and verse 20, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. King David wrote in Psalm 139, verses 13 and 14, when considering his own existence, For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. Think about it. Does your soul know that very well? Faith is elusive. It must not be blind, but our nature is such that the evidence of miracles never lasts. It's natural to think of the early church as having great faith, unlike today, and that may be true, but perhaps not to the degree we imagine. A rather humorous account is found when Peter was put in prison. Herod was fully set on executing him, as he had recently done with the Apostle James. Many were gathered together praying for Peter's release from an otherwise certain death. But God sent an angel to rescue him. And when Peter arrived after this miraculous escape, those praying for a miracle couldn't seem to accept that one was there at the front gate. Notice it. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, 
where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. When she recognized Peter's voice, because of her gladness, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. But they said to her, You are beside yourself. Yet she kept insisting that it was so. So they said, It is his angel. Now Peter continued knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Are you and I any different from those dedicated people? Would we be astonished in a similar situation? I ask again, how real is God to you? In the next portion of this program, I'll show you why faith is essential. But I want to remind you one more time of our resource, The Real God, Proofs and Promises. Jesus said, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? We live in a faithless age, and many who think they have faith may find themselves coming up short when the tests come. Peter was adamant that he would defend Jesus, but when the test came, he denied him three times in a matter of hours. Don't let that happen to you or to me. The real God, proofs and promises, gives evidence of God's existence. So order your free copy today. Do it now before you forget, and when I come back, I'll show you why it is impossible to please God without living faith. For today's free offer, call 1-800-236-0531 or go to twtv.org real. This clear and straightforward resource will help you understand this vital truth straight from the pages of the Bible. If you're calling for the first time, you will also receive a free annual subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine, 10 inspiring issues discussing news, science, and modern culture will help you make sense of your world from a biblical perspective. Call today and join millions around the world who are turning to Tomorrow's World for truth, prophecy, and hope in these confusing times. Call now or go to twtv.org slash real. Before the break, I said when I come back, I'll show you why it is impossible to please God without living faith. And that is not an opinion, but a statement of Scripture. Hebrews 11 is known as the faith chapter, and in it we read this profound statement that we would all do well to consider. Here it is in verse 6 of Hebrews 11. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Why is this so? An examination of this chapter reveals that everyone listed in it had the kind of faith that generated actions. We read of Noah who built a huge boat to preserve life through a worldwide flood his neighbors most likely mocking him until the flood swept them away. Abraham obeyed God when he left his comfortable home to go to a land where he would be a stranger, and he trusted that God would give him a son in his old age. Then there was Moses that we read of in verses 24 to 27. By faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter 
choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he looked to the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Notice that each of these individuals did more than profess faith. They acted on faith. Which one of us would have done the same? Now some think, well, if God spoke to me directly, I would. But isn't that what he is doing through his word, the Bible? Or do you believe that? While God spoke directly to some in dreams and visions, many others down through the ages only had the written word of God to cling to. And not all were rescued as we read in verses 37 to 40. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise, God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. God was real to them. And if God is real to us, and we truly believe there is a reward for obeying Him, we too will keep His commandments. Do you, dear friend, keep the weekly Sabbath, as spoken of in Genesis 2, as commanded along with the other Ten Commandments, and as God revealed to Israel for 40 years by withholding the manna each seventh day? Or do you follow the traditions of men and choose the day that Constantine decided for the church? Do you observe the same annual days that Jesus, his apostles, and first century Christians kept? Or do you follow human traditions of pagan holidays with the name of Christ slapped upon them? Do you do what Jesus said to do in Matthew 19, verse 17, where he said, but if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments? Or do you compromise so as not to create waves on the job or within your family? Remember Jesus' sobering words found in Matthew, the 10th chapter. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Now that, my dear friends, is where the rubber meets the road. Are you putting Christ first in everything? Are you putting it all on the line? Or are you drawing a line in the sand and saying, by your actions, I'll go so far, but no further? Join us here every week at Tomorrow's World when Richard Ames, Wallace Smith, Rod McNair, and I will again share with you the clear teachings of the Bible what prophecy declares is coming in the days ahead of us, and Jesus Christ's good news of his coming kingdom. For today's free offer, call 1-800-236-0531 or go to twtv.org real. 
Call today and join millions around the world who are turning to tomorrow's world for truth, prophecy, and hope in these confusing times. The preceding program is produced by the Living Church of God. What does the Bible say about our day? That book that so many claim to be the source of their beliefs and behaviors. You need to study this in your own Bible. Let's look at it together. After all, isn't that the source that really matters? 